Thank you guys. You guys are special to Bobby and me, and we thank you for giving us the opportunity to uh, be with you this morning. I'd like to revisit something uh, that uh, I have shared with you before, and I do so in light of uh, the need, I think, of the hour in which we live, and that is to refresh our thinking about we're on our way home to uh, a, a special place. And I wanted to, uh, uh, I wanted to put a title on today's uh, thoughts. And that title would be A Place for You. I like that because it tells us of the individual care the Lord Jesus has for every one of us. The amazing thing is, is that he knows you by name. He knows everything that touches your life. And someday he's going to reveal to us just how much he thinks of us um, in a uh, in a present active uh, time frame, if I could use that term, uh, that we're going to hear it direct from his own voice, uh, literally. And I think that's a extremely uh, worth the while for us to to consider these things. Afresh. Uh, I was, uh, enjoying listening to all the plans you have for, uh, the next several months. It's, you've got a lot going on and, uh, it was refreshing. Another thing I wanted to say is, uh, how, how good the singing, uh, is just listening from Zoom. So I can only, um, just encourage you to, uh, be aware. I know you are, but, uh, just to refresh your mind that, it's such a blessing to those who can't be there. I know you know that, but it gives the semblance of being able to join in. It's not the real thing of being there, you know, but uh, just to be able, when you are away and you can't get there, uh, you ache to be in the body of Christ uh, in present um, sense where you're able to, to look face to face and uh, to enjoy the company of God's people. I'm going to ask you, if you will, please, to turn your Bibles to John chapter 14. And um, we're going to start at verse 1. John chapter 14, verse 1. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And we can be confident of God's desire to bless his word to each of us as we consider his thoughts about a place for you and a place for me. It's very dear to the heart of our Savior. And um, one of the joys that I think about as uh, I enjoyed uh, sharing together the thoughts and, and the uh, singing uh, in the remembrance meeting this morning and um, 
we all have that ache in our spirit for the coming of the Lord. We long to be home. Um, not everybody, not all believers, and I understand that. There's there's a desire that we have to want to participate in life here. And I certainly don't want to go until the Lord wants me to come home. I want to live every moment here that I possibly can. But I, like so many, I'm longing and aching to get home and be with the Lord Jesus Christ. And yet, as we think about these things, um, I agree that the work that the Lord Jesus has done in my heart and in the hearts of others is that we ache to be there. And we long to be there. We would almost say, Lord, come right now. In fact, that's probably the cry of many of God's children, and I don't think that's wrong. And yet sometimes we say, Lord, how long is it going to be before you come and take us home? What will we have to go through? What will we have to face? Um, so these are very pressing issues that uh, believers think about. And no doubt you do too. I was often uh, uh, thinking about the, the uh, tremendous time that's going to uh, take place on this earth. And uh, I think in terms of uh, some of the thoughts that uh, we were focusing on in the remembrance meeting this morning about how the Lord doesn't change and and how he is full of grace and truth and and uh, that the things that you and I are learning and sharing and being together as as a people of God, uh, we want to take that out from where we are right now. And we want the beauty and the love and the truth of Jesus Christ to be very evident in our lives. And um, the reason that's critical and the reason that I say the burden to want the Lord to come would also have a companion burden and that companion burden would be there are many people that will be very busy today uh, being preoccupied with other things because they are hungry and their souls want to be filled but they're still on their way to a Christless eternity and um, as much as I ache and long for the Lord Jesus to come and I mean if he he comes now hallelujah <laughs> Wow, we get to go home. What greater joy could there be? That means, in this sense, that the Lord knows all those that are going to come to him before the great, great tribulation hits this planet, or the tribulation in general, they have come. And it's that that companion burden is, is that we ache to see people that are not saved we ache to see them come to the Lord. And uh, part of the beauty of uh, thinking about our home in heaven, thinking about a place for ourselves, is, is that as we have enjoyed that, uh, the Lord is giving us opportunity to let that burden and joy be poured out of our lives, poured out of our countenance, to other people that see us and examine our lives and, and they say to themselves, what is it that this person makes uh, of their life? What causes them to live the way they live? Why do they do the things that they do? And the biggest, greatest 
uh, without a question, powerful witness, even greater than words sometimes, is the countenance and the uh, cheerfulness of a believer. It doesn't necessarily mean we have to be laughing or smiling all the time. It's just we have that sense of everything is going according to God's plan. Uh, we rest in that and, and all of God's care for us, uh, is maybe not comprehended right now in its fullness, but we're, we're catching on and we're taking it in and it is changing us. And, uh, as it changes us, it's affecting people that watch us that we may not have any idea that are watching us. So I say that, uh, as sort of a double blessing. We get to look forward to it and can say, even so, come Lord Jesus. But at the same time, I, I personally, I have friends here in this, this town that, uh, they're great people, but they don't know the Lord. And, uh, folks, you know this, but what's coming is horrific. It's horrific. The Lord has told us Never has there ever been a time of trouble on the earth like there will be in the day of Jacob's trouble. And I'm so thankful that God would give us a compassionate understanding that we want to reach everybody we possibly can. So I think of these things in in light of the great privilege that we have to at the same time, consider the coming of our Lord, but also to consider the joy of throwing out a, a life preserver to someone who is desperately, quietly maybe, aching in their soul, feeling the desperate emptiness and aching. Is there reality? Is there truth? Is there someone who really loves me in spite of who I am? And yes, there is. You know, um, I, I don't mean to, uh, this is a lengthy introduction. Somebody says, John, pull the, pull the uh, thrust up, lower your flaps and get the plane off the runway. I'm trying. <laughs> so bear with me. We, don't worry. We're not going to run into the trees and crash, but it is a long takeoff. So hang on. We're going to get airborne. You know, Klaus Schwab has said, you will own nothing and be happy. What a world, huh? You will own nothing and be happy. Well, I guess to a minimalist, that just sounds like heaven. But you're, you know, you, you look at this, uh, this, this direction that, uh, appears to be the, uh, uh, global goal of a, uh, one world, everything, and uh, you begin to notice that uh, there's 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 a tremendous convergence of thought in all disciplines of life to become one, to drop barriers, to drop borders, to drop individuality, to drop uh, uniqueness, and um, it certainly is a reminder that we are living. And approaching a time that, uh, we've never seen before on this earth. Uh, there's been an attempt, obviously, and, uh, 
we, we have to go back to Genesis and realize that the Tower of Babel was that attempt. Um, and really what we are seeing in our day is, is, is the Tower of Babel is being re- resurrected. And, uh, um, we're, we're, we're watching the construction of it, um, in a sense. And I use that as an analogy. I guess, uh, what I want to, want to do, and then we're going to have liftoff here is I'd just like to say that there's a lot of preparations going on right now. And, uh, the Lord has been very good to us to give us indications all throughout the word of God that, uh, our, the time of, uh, Israel's regathering and the time when the Lord Jesus is going to come back literally to this earth and set up his kingdom, uh, the, uh, Certainly the, uh, preparations are in place. Um, to many of us, we can't help but think it's just imminent. And, uh, we say that it could happen at any time. And yes, it can, but we really don't know the exact day or hour. We can certainly see the seasons and, uh, we can know that, uh, his coming is near. Now with this, uh, um, wonderful subject before us, I, I wanted to, uh, I wanted to, uh, cap, capitalize on the first statement in verse one. Let not your hearts be troubled. And I want to just, uh, spend a little bit of, uh, time with you thinking about what was in the mind of the Lord Jesus when he said, let not your hearts be troubled. Obviously. And I, I'm going to move through these fairly quick, but, uh, we think of it with our own lives. Um, we think of it from the perce- uh, perspective that, uh, we're not always what we want to be. Uh, we would like to be stronger than we are. Uh, we fail. Uh, we would like to be, um, a blessing. Sometimes we're not. Uh, we, um, see people and we, we, we perceive they're indifferent to us or they, they see a weakness in us and they, they sort of turn away. Maybe that gets our attention. Uh, I could go on in a ad finitum on being self-oriented, but a lot of times these are things that occupy us that, uh, the Lord is saying to us, I want, I want you not to be troubled about those things. Um, and then it's to be disappointed with other people that can, that can be troublesome is, and, and, uh, as we think about it, uh, we realize that it could be with a husband, a wife, a son, a daughter, a friend, an employer, partner, employee, whatever the case may be, it's easy to allow our, ourselves to be troubled in these situations. And, uh, you know, the Lord is not telling us not to be troubled as though he's sort of throwing out a fairy tale blanket and, and not being realistic with the issues that face us. What he is, uh, calling us to is actually a blessing. Um, and then we look at our circumstances. Uh, we can think of the, the loss of a loved one or, um, and, and that's devastating, uh, loss of a job, sickness, un- uncertainty about the future. Um, we can even think about it in the sense of spiritual troubles. Um, and, and as we think about these things, we think about, uh, just the, complexity of our culture in which we live in and and the battle there is in our mind to uh, be able to to sort things out and to find rest and confidence solely in the Lord there's a lot of competing things and these are these are issues that the Lord is calling us as his his own 
to take heed that uh, we are to not l- let our hearts be troubled. It certainly is not saying that you won't have trouble. I I get a little impatient uh, with some, and I have to say that that's just an area the Lord's working on me. But uh, I get a little impatient with some in Christianity that want us to believe that there are no troubles for the truly surrendered child of God or that everything is going to be a success, or that everything is going to work out so beautifully here that there won't be any real trouble for a a surrendered child of God. So there's the implication that, so if I have trouble, I must not be a fully surrendered child of God. I I, I don't see that as consistent with what the Lord is saying here. And as a matter of fact, when you really look at this passage of Scripture here, He's saying, let not your heart be troubled. What he's really communicating is, let not your heart stay troubled. That's the impact of this statement. Uh, the construction of it is very clear. It's, uh, it's not that we're not going to have trouble. We know that, uh, as long as we're in this world, we've, we've been reminded by the scripture itself, we'll have trouble. We'll have trouble. That's just, we live in a, a troubled world. Uh, God has troubled this world to get mankind's attention. And, uh, we can debate all day long about, well, why would he choose to do that? Well, he did choose to start it out perfect to begin with, and we didn't like perfect. So, um, the Lord is kind. The trouble that he sends is not mean or ruthless. So, um, as we look at this and think about it, we can think about for the child of God, this is actually encouraging news. What the Lord is saying, you don't have to stay troubled. I like that. <laughs> I like that from the perspective that uh, um, he's telling us, you have a choice. And it's really coming down to a choice. You don't have to stay troubled. There will be trouble, but you don't have to stay troubled. That's what he's doing. Actually, he's giving us a call. As the one that is the great shepherd of our soul, he's giving us a call to walk with him in strength. He's he's calling us to strengthen, um, to be strong, to understand that these are things that as we ponder these troubling situations, um, he is saying, even though there are troubling situations around you and that you won't... Uh, uh, always know exactly how everything's going to turn out. You can have peace that I'm still in control. That's what he's saying. He's just telling us you, you may have issues for a while, but this is not going to be the permanent state of your life. Uh, and I want to just say your life, put the whole picture in view. Um, put, put not just the years that we have here but take the eternal life and combine it together with our earthly life here. Uh, and those of us that have earthly life that have trusted Christ, we have eternal life. But take the whole of life and, and understand that uh, there's, there's a coming day when that trouble is going to be gone. And he's saying, I don't even want you to allow that trouble to mess you up now. Don't let your heart stay troubled. And, um, I think about that from the perspective that uh, God will accomplish great things in our lives. And sometimes 
uh, those things may be accomplished through difficult situations. Um, yes, he blesses, and I am so glad he does. He gives times of refreshment. He gives times of great blessing and, and great uh, enjoyment. But he also allows us to be more aware that he's working on an eternal uh, perspective of our character. And I, I, uh, the older I get, the more I appreciate his work inside, uh, that he is forming what he is like inside of me. That's thrilling. It may not seem to some of you thrilling. And I understand that. And he's, he's, uh, he's so good, isn't he? He doesn't, uh, browbeat us because we're not all A plus Christians right now in our, in our practical state. Uh, he loves us. Uh, he's, he's, he's long suffering. And, uh, what he is telling us is that I know all, all of these issues. Now, think about this with me for just a moment. You know, the Lord Jesus himself, we're told three times in John that he was troubled. So he's, he's not, he's not saying, you know, don't ever be troubled. He's not saying it, uh, that there's something wrong with you if you're troubled. Um, he, 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 he was troubled and, um, uh, he was troubled at the, the, at the tomb of Lazarus. Uh, he was troubled when, uh, people at the, at the feast, uh, asked us to, uh, see the Lord Jesus. Um, and, uh, he, he began to talk about in John chapter 12, uh, that his hour had come and, uh, he was troubled. We can think of the time in the garden when he prayed and we can see his, his soul was troubled. He would, many things troubled him and, uh, in, in a right perspective, but he turned those troubles, uh, to, uh, the authority of his father. He, he, he was, he was reminding us that there are issues that are very real that we have to grapple with, but not to stay troubled. Um, and, and of course, who was troubled more than anyone, uh, when he hung on the cross? He was troubled, not in weakness, but in the gravity that was before him, in the soberness of what was ahead of him. Uh, he understands as a human the aspects of being troubled. So I would say very carefully that, uh, uh, his advice, his, his uh, word is power. His word is, is, is actually command worthy. Let not your hearts be troubled. Uh, don't stay troubled. And then he, he uses the statement and, and calls us to say, uh, or rather to, uh, agree with him. You, you believe in God, believe also in me. In other words, you're convinced that God is God, that he's authoritative, that he, he rules over all. And, uh, you believe in him, believe also in me. And, uh, he back, he could back that up, uh, very, very wonderfully because, um, the fame of who he was spread throughout that entire land. It spread so much that it irritated the religious leaders of the day. That always stands as a witness to me that the power of, of who he is being the son of God and what he did spoke so loud that every time his words were uh, given, it just confirmed with authority who he really was. So what he's saying is, is that uh, you know who God is and you know who I am. You can rest 
in what I say to you as being factual. You can take this as good for you, as a promise for you. So here's some reasons why. Uh, the first reason is, is that he would say, well, you know, you know me and you've trusted me and you have every reason to trust me. You believe in my father and some are trusting him and he's giving them comfort right now. Secondly, he, he is announcing to them, there's a place for you in heaven. Um, when we come into these areas where we're overwhelmed with these uh, issues of life, the Lord is saying, I want you to call to mind that this is not the end of the road for you. This is not what is going to be of your total existence. I want you to take heart. There's a place for you in heaven. The third reason is, is that he, and he, he lays this out. I'm preparing a place for you. Not only is there a place for you, I'm preparing it. I like that term prepare. Stop for a moment and uh, just think about what it means to prepare. It means quite a bit, doesn't it? Um, I know when I get ready to share something like even this day with you, uh, I prepare. I, I take um, I take this as a responsibility from the Lord and it's uh, part of my preparation is I know you do the same as believers in the responsibilities God's given you, but I, I recognize I don't want to give God half, half of me. I don't want to give a halfway effort. I, I want him to have the best. Um, and when I prepare, to share or when I do something for someone I want and I want them to know that that this is something of value from me to them uh, and I prepare it I want it to be the best and how could we ever think of the Lord Jesus doing anything but his best when it comes to the statement he says I'm preparing for you a place to me this is astounding this is absolutely overwhelming because what he is doing is he's preparing it for you. Just let that sink in for a moment. Um, I know I've used this illustration before, but I, I think about it when uh, my children were younger and uh, when they got out of the toddler stage and didn't really care what their surroundings looked like uh, before that time, you know, a diaper and a bottle or, uh, you know, a, a little trinket or something to play with or uh, just discovering their own hand was, you know, enough to keep them occupied. But when they passed that stage and they began to realize that their room was sort of their territory, um, as a lot of parents want to, they take the task on to get their, their children's rooms sort of comfortable and decorated in a way that um, makes them happy to be in their room. Um we could take that a step further uh, with all the the myriads of, you know, uh, rehab, fix it up, you know, fixer upper, Chip and Joanna Gaines. I mean, you can talk ad infinitum um, about all the different shows there are. And you know what? I'm, I'm a at heart. I, I, I'm a constructor uh, at heart. I love to see things go up. I love to watch uh, designs and and uh, building processes and and uh, those that have skill and ability to put colors together and and make thematic 
statements in a living area that it it's it's expresses the the people uh in their personality and and generally it's a it's a it's a home that says something about who they are and most homes are homes of we'd like it to be comfortable we'd like it to be a place of rest a place of refuge a place of of uh, gathering a place where we have shelter I mean, we could go on these lists of things that are important to us. And I just can't help but hear the Savior's words. I go and prepare a place for you. I'm preparing. I'm working. I am constructing something. I'm putting it together. Not only is there the plan, but there's the effort to make it happen. Yes, I guess uh, we know without a doubt he could speak the words and it's done. And I don't understand everything that uh, is going on. I know there's multitudes of things that the Lord Jesus is taking care of. It only uh, is a tribute to his um, tremendous uh, personage. Who he is, is is remarkable. And he is, by just virtue of interceding for us, uh, by virtue of uh, protecting us, by virtue of providing for us, by virtue of hearing every child of God's prayer, by virtue of him concern for every soul on this planet, it tells you how wonderful he is, how great he is. So when he's saying, I go and prepare a place for you, I personally take it. It's not going to be shabby, whatever it is. It's not going to be, you know, it's not going to be just a... uh couple of sticks with uh, some, you know, scrap plastic bags tied together and say, okay, Heller, there's your place. Go, 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 go sit down in the dirt and be happy you got a place in heaven. I'd be happy for that. Don't misunderstand me. But the Lord is saying, you're very, you're very special to me. So special that I not only want you to know that I have a place for you, but in that place I'm preparing for you, I want you to know you will always be near me, always. And I want you to know that you uh, are looked forward to. I am looking forward to you being near me. So these are things that the Lord says for us to consider and allow uh, our hearts to rejoice in. I think of uh, what he's preparing I think of how he's preparing it. Uh, I can only imagine. Uh, I can't, I can't, uh, go much beyond that. I know there's some beautiful things in scripture that we could, we could contemplate, but I, I think, I think our breath will be taken from us. First, as we see his, his greatness, as we see him, we'll, we'll, we'll lovingly fall at his feet in honor and gratitude and in a reverential holy awe of who he is. But what, what's going to capture us is how uniquely personal he is going to be with each one of us and everything that he will bestow, everything that he has a desire to give us will speak of the personal attention to the details that touch our likes and dislikes. And I would say that in obviously a holy, pure way. Anyway, um, there's a lot to think about here and there's a lot to contemplate. 
I I often think about a place for you, and I contrast that with the fact that a place of belonging was really lost with the very first of our forefather and mother, right? They lost their place. They were evicted. Uh, I said this, and I believe it is absolutely correct, but they were some of the very first, in fact, if not first, homeless people. You'd say, well, that's a stretch, John. I, I agree. I, I would not argue with you on it, but to me, it's a very powerful statement. They were the first people that were out of where they should have been. And it was because the obvious sin. I think about not just Adam and Eve, but I think of Cain wandering after he had killed his brother Abel. I think of Noah's family, even though obedient, but because of the evil of the world and God's plan and knowing ahead of time what was coming, uh, they were displaced. I think of those that were trying to build a world community at the very earliest of recorded civilization, those that, at the Tower of Babel, but they became scattered. They were, they were moved on. They weren't going to. And so God confused their language and they had to. I, I think in terms of the reality that, you know, that's a motif for Genesis, isn't it? Homelessness. And, and we see that in one sense. It's a motif. It's not the full message of Genesis, but that's a motif of Genesis. In other words, that's a thread that runs through Genesis, reminding us of the value that God places on a place for you and for me, a dwelling, a, a place of uh, importance. And we know that was true for Abraham. And now on the other side, we see another motif, is, is that God was saying, I have a place for you. This is my mercy. And Abraham is, is certainly, um, he is certainly an individual that, uh, was called by God. Uh, he was called to a land that he would show him, but ultimately it wasn't the physical land that, that gained his, his attention. We're told in Hebrews 11:10, he was looking for a city and foundations whose architect and builder was God. I love those terminologies. The Lord Jesus is an architect and a builder. He is the model architect and the model builder. I it, it just ponder those things and think in terms of what he's communicating. There's even a deeper sense of meaning behind this, and we're going to look at that here in a moment. So if the Lord Jesus tells us, don't let your hearts be troubled, then our hearts need not stay troubled. We can be victorious. And part of the victory is built on the promise that he's asking us to soak our spiritual souls in. Let our our minds be filled with the right thinking that the Lord Jesus says, this is good thinking, and I want you to think on these things, because as you think on these things, they will become part of who you are. And we know that to be true. As a person thinks in their hearts, so are they. Even though that's a negative in the Old Testament, the principle is still the same. We are what we think. And this is why the Lord Jesus is giving us. Now, uh, very briefly, and I just want to run through these. Heaven is for real people. 
It's not fake. It's a real deal. And uh, as he's already stated, he's he's working on it right now. Uh, you and I, well, there's not a whole lot of information in Scripture about all the intricate details of what it's going to be like. But, um, you know, we have the idea that the streets will be paved with transparent gold. Um, we don't know how that's going to look. I don't know if it's they're going to be the streets that we're familiar with. But uh, there's enough, there's enough of a description to help us to understand there will be avenues uh, in, in, in our existence in eternity that will be very, very much, um, uh, a likeness to what we have here, except not dirty and polluted and not needing to be, uh, maintained. Uh, that's the beauty of it is, uh, it's permanent in a good sense. Um, I think of the, uh, 79th element on the atomic chart. And uh, right now, that's a hot item in the world's uh, bankers. They're trying to grab up all the gold they can to sort of uh, ensure they've got something to stand behind. Uh, the uh, tremendous uh, printing that's going on with uh, ink and paper that says it's money. So uh, um, it's always been a value. It's always been something that we we've looked at in history and uh i know i'm speaking in terms of some limited sense of the financial world but these are assets that never lose their value and and so that's that's an aspect we can we can think about i also think of it in the sense that uh as we uh think about the description of the city roughly 1400 and some odd uh, miles wide and long and high um think about think about a magnificent beautiful structure that soars in in such a height and the comparative analysis was brought to me one time by a Boeing engineer who asked me he said John do you know how high some of our lowest satellites are on the earth's orbit I said no I don't he said well he said this structure would touch satellites, it's so tall. So it's a magnificent uh, uh, place, this new Jerusalem that we read about in Revelation 21 and 22. Immense. Even if you, I'm not saying it's divided this way, but if you were to take every one mile, you'd have 1,400 different planes of 1,000 by 1,490. The square miles is absolutely mind-blowing. It's immense. I don't know that that's how it'll be. A river's going to flow through it. We won't need sunlight because his glory will light the place. So obviously there there will be beautiful uh, transfers within this, this, this place that is a home being prepared for us. Absolutely amazing. I know I'm, I'm, imagining things, but just imagine some of the best coffee shops that you've ever dreamed of in your life. The restaurants, we're going to be eating in heaven. I don't know how that's all going to play out, but uh, um, we know that there will be things that have been given to us in scripture that gives us little hints that uh, there's a whole nother realm, a whole nother world that is sweet and precious and without sin. 
So the Lord is asking us to contemplate these things. Even in his own resurrection body, I think about it when uh, he departed and he went back to glory. Um, some people have, uh, they, they, you know, there's always, a, there's always a questioning mind. There's always this, well, how could the Lord, um, you know, somebody said if the Lord traveled at the speed of light, he wouldn't even be to the farthest star yet. So how could he be who he says he is? Well, I have a problem with that. Who says he travels at the speed of light? That's probably like negative warp minus 10 to the fourth power. I know I'm using terminology that doesn't make sense, but you get the idea. He doesn't need to travel at the speed of light. He can travel faster than the speed of light. He can travel as fast as the thought. You could be seated in your chair right now and you can think of, you can think of Jerusalem right now. And in your mind, you just went from Kansas City to Jerusalem by a thought. What says that that is not true of the Lord? And we know it is because he's omnipresent. It's nothing for him. So, um, think about that from the perspective that, uh, as he is able to do and to be and to demonstrate to us who he is, uh, we're, we're reminded by 1 John 3, 2, Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Just some thoughts to ponder on this. Christ's post-resurrection appearances evidence he had a heavenly body. His heavenly body was able to move through material, and yet at the same time, he could consume real food. Just put that in your thought process if you have it. Many of you have, but just think about that. We don't fully understand all that is coming. And, and he wants us, he's given us enough information for us to be able to realize this is real. Now, I want to close on this. Don't worry, I'm not going to go until 2 o'clock. So I want to allay your fears. I won't go until 2 o'clock because I know <laughs> if I went to 2, uh, two, two o'clock this afternoon, William, really, you think I'd go to 2 o'clock? No, no, I wouldn't because... There wouldn't be anybody in here for me to speak to. You guys would get up and go. So um, I, I'm aware of uh, uh, the need to be uh, uh, judicious with time. Besides, I think you probably are smelling some good food from downstairs. Uh, I can't, obviously, but maybe the food is starting to waft its way up there, and you're wondering, does this guy, is he just going to keep on going? Well, uh, for a little bit, but not till 2. Maybe, maybe 144, but not 2. Just kidding. All right, here we go. The emphasis here, though, and I want to come back to the heart of what the Lord is communicating. The Lord is telling us the home is not the materials. Even though that'll be there. And we'll enjoy it, but that doesn't make a home. I grew up in a really nice home. South Tulsa, right behind Southern Hills Country Club. One of the richest areas in, in the city of Tulsa to live in. I lived in a very nice home as far as 
construction materials. But it was not a home. A home exists when relationships in that home function the way God designs a home to function. When relationships are right, that's a home. Now we can stop for a moment. Each of you, to some extent, knows the heartache of what it is to see a home that doesn't function properly, intended. Yes, sin has come in. There are devastating situations that have wrecked many homes. I, being one of those uh, in childhood where there wasn't a home, um, I began to be, I longed for a home, not not a wall made out of sheetrock and lumber or bricks and mortar or fine marble floors or wood floors or carpet or whatever. No, I, I that's that's not the home I ache for. I I ache for a home where God's position, God's placing of a mom and a dad were in place. And they functioned according to what God had designed man and woman to be and to do. And the nurturing and the training and the care, the obvious sacrifice that a parent would make to not just do good things, but to discipline when discipline is needed, to train uh, a young mind and a young heart that to pursue your own way at the expense of what is right is nothing but trouble for that person. Part of the deception of sin is, is that when you sin, God is such a careful, careful lover of our souls. He extends great mercy. But part of that, the enemy takes advantage of, and we take advantage of it, and we think, oh, it doesn't really matter because look, I'm doing this and I'm not being judged or I'm not, I'm not facing a penalty for it. And you see that in our world right now. We, we see it all over the place. Criminals are being let loose free and, and they've done terrible things, but criminals are, have more attention and more care in that sense than the victims. Everything is upside down. What the Lord is addressing here is actually touching the very core of culture. What he addresses in John chapter 14, 1 through 3, hits at the very heartbeat of humanity of what he's made. There isn't a person on this planet that doesn't value a resting place where they're accepted, where they're known, where they're loved, where they're valued, where they're not looked down on or made to feel like, well, we'll put up with you. This is actually a profound statement by the Savior. What he's saying is, I get your need to belong. I know that. I know that better than you. 
And I'm the head of it. I'm all, I've got your back. I've got your side. I've got your front. I've got your top. I've got your bottom. I've got you in a loving sense. I know what, what means value to you and what you depend on and look for and ache for. That's why I'm here. That's why I came. I didn't come to condemn. I came to save. And saving is a lot bigger than we ever dreamed. And this is where he's saying, you don't have to stay troubled. They'll come. I think it's implied. It's it's evident by what he went through himself while he was here. He dealt with issues as a man. That's That's the incredible thing about the Lord Jesus. But he's calling us to understand he gets that. And he wants us to know, to take him at his word, to rest in what he's saying. He says, you know the authority that that sent me. You know the authority that did the works in your very midst. Even the rulers, they can't deny it. And yet in the hardness of heart, they're out to kill me. You believe in God, believe also in me. And if these things were not so, I would have told you. Don't you love that? That's somebody that's true to you. Somebody that's loyal to you. He's not going to lie to you. He's not going to fake you out. He's not going to tempt you and then take it away. Said if it were not so, I would have told you. I'm glad he's telling us that it is so. And it's so, so greater than we can even bring it in. And I can prove it. I can prove it. Psalm 45, 145 verse 3 tells us, these are precious words. Great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised. His greatness is unsearchable. You know, yeah, it has not been fully revealed, folks what we shall be when we see him. Unsearchable. Think about the beauties of the place where you feel at home. You don't, you don't worry about, I don't know whether I belong here or not. You know that's home. You know you belong there. And the reason you belong there is the one who made it, the one who made you, has without any distraction, without any question, without any condition, has made it abundantly clear. Where I am, there you may be also. I want to encourage you this morning to take the words of the Lord Jesus that when you see him, yes, there will be awe and reverence and we'll hit the ground in honor of who he is. He's God. But the other thing that will win us for all of eternity is that he wants us right by his side. And you will never feel awkward in his presence. You will never feel like you don't belong. Worthiness is not an issue. 
with respect to whether or not we are worthy to be there. His mercy trumps worthiness, and yet he is worthy and met every requirement we couldn't meet so that we could be with him. He met all of our failures and brought him up to fullness in the eyes of his father so we could be home and feel at home and know that we're home. Yes, come Lord Jesus. But yes, Lord, maybe I could be a little bright spot to some desperate soul who's never found a home, who longs to come home. This is the cry of our Savior. Lord, it is finished. And now that the light of the Savior's heart is to prepare a place for those he loves, to keep them, to hear them, to intercede for them, to provide, to protect, to give them joy. I go and prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, doubtless I will come and receive you to myself. That's love. That's a committed love. That's a love that will not be put off. That's a love that will not be deterred. That's a love that will not die, will not get old will not get frustrated with, will not grow complacent with. It's an eternal love, a powerful love, a love that blows our minds. And was well said this morning, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Peace. Perfect peace in this dark world of sin. The blood of Jesus whispers peace within. Peace. Perfect peace by thronging duties press to do the will of Jesus. This, this is rest. Peace. Perfect peace with sorrows surging all around. On Jesus' bosom, not but calm is found. Peace, perfect peace, with loved ones far away. In Jesus' keeping, we are safe, and so are they. Peace, perfect peace, our future's all unknown. Jesus, we know, and he is on the throne. That where I am, there you may be also. Let's pray.
Father, we pray that uh, your word would find the needs of our lives, and we know it will. How kind you are to see each and every single need that is represented in all of your people, not only in Kansas City, but all over this world. Lord, we pray that as we learn to not let our hearts be troubled, that we can find rest and peace because you are on the throne. You are in control. And all the madness that we see swirling around us, you warned us, instructed us, told us time and time again through the prophets and even the Lord Jesus yourself that these days would come. Lord, we don't know if we're at the exact moment in history when this is going to take place, but we're reminded that eventually it's going to take place. And we're so grateful that it's not out of your control. And Lord, that even in the midst of this disaster, you're keeping your people. Some of us may have trouble. Some of us may suffer real persecution. But Lord, we all know that ultimately, whatever our case may be here, we still can look to you and say, thank you, Lord Jesus, that whatever we endure here is but for a moment. It seems like eternity when we're going through it. But Lord, you've been proven faithful time and time and time again. And we love you for that. We love you for your love for us. And we ask that as we ache for you to come, we would even cry out, even so, Lord Jesus, come now. We would say, Lord, come when you know all the souls that are going to come to you have come. We can't bear the thought that there'd be someone here on this planet that would not be able to know the joy of being saved. Father, help us to be lights. Help the joy and the confidence that you've given us to pour out, to reach people just by our personal demeanor and atmosphere, just our countenance. Lord, for your glory, we ask in Jesus' name, amen.